Today, we hear again from the prophet Isaiah. We will continue to hear from Isaiah throughout the Advent season. Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom during the 8th century. As we move toward Christmas Day, it is important to understand where Isaiah falls in the history of God's people, as well as the prophetic word Isaiah is speaking about King David's lineage, the hope and waiting for King Jesus. Today offers considerations as we journey in Advent. The first is the idea of promise, a promise. In biblical semantic, promise is synonymous with covenant. Our God is a God of covenant. God made covenant with Abraham, Moses, David, promise of land, relationship, kingdom, and king. To these people, then and there, and to Israel, and all of humanity. In real time, these covenants ultimately looked forward to the coming Messiah. There were promises about how to relate to God, and these promises underscored the need to walk with God, to have a vibrant spirituality, and demonstrated how much we need help to live our lives well. All of these promises hinged on the commitment of both parties, the people and God. The thing about promises is that they imply we wait. Anything from ice cream for dessert to a Christmas present. You must trust the one making the promise, but you have to wait till the right time. Promises are connected to the character of the giver and foster anticipation and perhaps good behavior on the part of the receiver, right? We do not want to lose the promise. The other concept to consider today is how dramatic sin is and through our lives. And not only us as humans, but the animal world. Its consequences are pervasive. Our Isaiah passage paints that picture and the harmony among the people and animals. We'll return to that in a moment. Back to promise. God made a promise to David. It is known as the Davidic Covenant. The big deal of that promise is that God told David and made a promise to Israel that there would be a forever king that would come from the lineage of David to rule and reign. This created political, economic, and because it was integrated with those things, spiritual expectations. The promise of Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior began in Genesis in a wide, vague inference, and throughout time got more and more specific. This might be referred to as redemptive history and elevates the reality of the sovereignty of God as we needed to be saved, and God saves us, and nothing, no nothing, could thwart that. In our Isaiah reading and readings throughout Advent, we are about 700 years before Jesus comes on the scene. These promises were getting really specific in Isaiah and continued throughout other prophets. But that was when there was still centuries to go. A promise that entailed a conviction about who the promise was from so you could hope for it. A promise that was not only wanted but needed so it affected lifestyle, behavior, and relationships. A promise that was so valuable that you could hope for it, even if it took longer than your entire life to happen. It's fascinating to ponder. 
the hope people held for so long, and the hope we continue to hold in our daily living. At the time of Isaiah, the Davidic dynasty was devastated. The kingdom was divided, and the symbol for hope we hear today is a tree stump. A tree stump. Have you looked at a tree stump lately? They are mostly dead and decaying with no signs of life. The tree cut down or ripped off due to a storm or other natural disaster. Things were so bad then and there that the only symbol they could muster for hope was a tree stump. That's bad. But what is amazing is that they hung on to hope. What we hear from their hope is that hope is strong, so strong and so sturdy. Joseph Piper helps us understand hope a bit. He was a 20th century German philosopher who authored a neat little book called On Hope. He couches hope on two concepts in our human experience, possession and journey. Piper describes that we are people who have not yet arrived, so not yet possessing all that has been promised, the already and the not yet. He uses the word picture of being a pilgrim on the way. Central to him, the virtue of hope is a state of being on the way in contrast to fully possessing all things that have been promised. Hope is the not yet of the promises of God and our rest on the character of God. Hope can be extraordinarily strong depending on our knowledge of promises and our understanding of God's nature and character. Conversely, hope can be very weak with little knowledge and little understanding. Strong hope affects behavior, values, lifestyle commitments, and fosters expectation. Weak hope leads to despair, ultimately, and is made evident through a life with low commitments and values and negligible impact on lifestyle with no expectations for the future. In our spiritual heritage, we come from a people with strong hope, hope carried for centuries, which teaches and informs us. How do we cultivate hope? How do we pass it on? Fulfilling God's promises is God's responsibility. A part of our response to God's promises, it seems our responsibility, is to cultivate hope. Having hope is our part. Fulfilling promises is God's part. Advent is a good opportunity for us to reflect and ask, ask ourselves where we know hope in our lives and where we know despair. As we might label those things, we can interact with them and cultivate a knowledge of the promises of God and investigate God's nature and character. We can grow hope. In forming our cultivation of hope is an understanding of the pervasive nature of sin. This is what we wait in, hope in, act in. In our Isaiah passage, we have this beautiful description that sounds a little bit like a fantasy. All these animals getting along and humans too, it sounds like too much to possibly 
be true. But that's because we've never seen it. For us in our now, those animals and babies and children's being together would quickly lead to death and destruction. We humans, as creatures, are the most endowed mentally, emotionally, and physically among all the creatures of God. Sin started with us as humans. And we see that from humanity, divisions among people affected all the creatures and even creation, trickling down. Can we imagine that before sin was on the scene, all people and animals, and people and animals, lived together in harmony? What a shocker. And I can only hope dinosaurs, too. In the paradise of our forever existence, sin will not be there. And we will authentically live in harmony. And that will trickle down in all of the animals and people together will authentically live in peace. Sin will disappear in God's kingdom fully manifest. We see that in our stained glass window over there. It's been captivating me. The bottom three panels, if you look at them individually, you miss it. But all the people and all the animals are gathering around the altar to worship God together. Tigers, bunnies, Penguins, bears, oh my. But that's where we're going. We're a people, a creation of harmony. Sin will be dispersed. Division and sin will be swallowed up. Once again, first with us, then with everything. Through Christ in our now, we help grow our forever reality. Hope in action. Advent. Something is on the horizon. We need hope to clearly see it. Let us purpose to grow some hope in this season of waiting and watching. Amen.